I'm going to take a fairly straightforward approach to the question and try to suggest some answers to it. How and why did we get here? Um, I suppose the starting point is, the, is where is here and, and also how far back do you want to go? So I'll start, I'll start with, with, with the latter question first, I think. Over the last day or so, I've been trawling through Eurobarometer. I don't know if, if you know Eurobarometer. It's, it's not a, a very exciting reader. It's, um, these are detailed opinion surveys carried out by the EU on, in every country, every member country, regularly published in great detail uh, on attitudes to the world and particular attitudes to the EU. And if you look at these, you find that the British year in, year out, are the least European of peoples in the EU. You might regret this, or you might applaud it, but it seems to me a, a quite undeniable fact. Whatever the question about whether you trust EU institutions, or whether you're enthusiastic about EU symbols, whether you have a high level of idealism about the European project, whether you want a European army, whether you want economic and monetary union, whether you want more power to be given to the EU institutions, the British are always right at the bottom or towards the bottom of the, of the poll. Only Cyprus uh, uh, rivals us uh, in its lack of enthusiasm for the EU. Though indeed, uh, lack of enthusiasm has been growing in most countries, uh, as you probably know. So that's point number one. We're not very enthusiastic Europeans. Point number two is, of course, very obvious, we're not in the Euro. Uh, I heard um, Mr. Varoufakis speaking on the Today programme a few weeks ago, the former Greek uh, economics minister, and the interviewer said to him, well, if the Euro is doing so much damage to Greece, why don't you leave? And he said, don't you think we would have done if we could? Um, if you're in the Euro, it's an extremely dangerous process, or at least a risky process to leave. Some, some economists say it can be done quite easily, but most people don't think that. Had we been in the euro, almost inconceivable, it seems to me, that we would have voted to, to leave. And the fact that we're not in the euro, the euro is largely a, a matter of, of chance. The people who support euro, the membership of the EU tended to support uh, our joining the euro. Third reason, we have, I think, genuinely a different political culture from many... European countries. I've, I've, I've talked about this in the past. I've, I've talked about the, the existence of a, of a vanguard culture in many European countries, very obviously in France, Italy, Germany, in which in their history a small group of enlightened people lead the nation out of its benighted darkness into the, the future sunlight. We don't, now maybe that's true, maybe that did happen, but we don't have that really in our, in our, in our political memory. On the contrary, we have, we have Magna Carta, also a myth, if you like, but quite an important one in which eventually the elites have to give in to what the people want. Um, Michael Gove notoriously said that we had had enough of experts, but that is a recurring theme, I would suggest, in our history. We don't like being told what to do by people who proclaim themselves um, the possessors of superior knowledge. And maybe the most important of all is that we have a very different experience of the 20th century. The 20th century for Britain is not a century, it's certainly a century of course of war, of conflict, of suffering and all that, but it's not a century of defeat, of occupation, of civil war, of totalitarianism, of genocide, all that. And moreover, the defense against those things has been the nation and the nation state. 
unlike in many countries, the loyalty to the nation, patriotism, if you like, is not tarnished with the, with the experience of the extreme right as it is in Spain or France or Greece or Germany or Italy. And so there's not the same sense that we have to sacrifice national sovereignty for the greater good, to prevent war in Europe, to prevent another clash of European powers, to prevent war. People just don't believe that, and I think they're right not to believe it. And finally, um, we are in many ways more global than other EU member countries, both demographically, um, more people of British origin living outside Europe, which is very important, I think, in, our, in, in forming a world view, and also far more people of non-European origin living in Britain than in most countries of the EU. Uh, and one reflection of that is that we do f less of our trade within the EU than any other EU country, again with the possible exception of Cyprus. So we think differently, we behave differently, and uh, in the end we voted to leave. Whether you think that was a good decision or not is not, uh, at the moment, my concern. I'm just trying to explain why it happened. Why did we ever join the EU? Um, it, it happened at the, the time of maximum declinism in this country, an obsession with the idea that the country was in de decline economically, politically, as a power in the world, and therefore it had to attach itself to a larger European entity. Uh, and that, that's to say in the, in the 1960s and early 70s. And that was also the time in which the European communities were at their most dynamic economically. It was the end of that period, what the French call the 30 glorious years that followed the, the Second World War. So we joined at, um, when we were most lacking in self-confidence and when the EU seemed to be most successful. Those two things have, the balance has altered in, in succeeding years. So if any country were to decide to leave the EU, it would obviously be Britain. Uh, and what pushed us from being grumbling, or if you like, reluctant remainers into hesitant leavers, were, I think pretty obviously, the crisis in the Eurozone. And uh, as a consequence of that, Britain becoming, for much of Europe, the, an employer of last resort, um, which was thereby committed to unlimited uh, and open-ended uh, immigration from the EU. Immigration is in many ways a good thing and in some ways a bad thing. Uh, the two things vary according to time and place and also according to the amount of immigration and its speed. And it also very much depends on who you are. For most of us here, perhaps for all of us here, it's a very good thing, but it's not a very good thing for everyone. By the way, the UK is not uh, a very xenophobic country by comparison with most of our neighbours. There are far more violent attacks on foreigners in Germany than in Britain. There are, of course, overtly racist, xenophobic parties in many European countries, but, but not in Britain. Um, and indeed, the Eurobarometer poll for last year that I mentioned showed that all European countries were opposed to immigration. So Britain is not unusual uh, in that sense. So the result shouldn't be a surprise, the, the result of June the 23rd. Indeed, uh, I think in, in some ways the surprise was that the margin to leave was so small. Uh, and I think that can be put down partly to the effects of Project Fear. Uh, we all know what that is. 
and also because the debate in this country was not really about the EU, it was very little about the EU, it was, about, it was mainly about Britain and how people felt about each other and about different political parties and so on. So where have we got to now? Or to put it another way, what does Brexit mean? Well, we don't know, at least I don't know. Um, what will be its practical outcomes? The government wants a free trade agreement with the EU and it wants to limit EU immigration. That, those things may be possible, um, I don't know. There are experts here who have more of an idea than I do. But I was struck by Monsieur, Mr. Juncker speaking on the radio a few weeks ago when he talked about the necessity of free movement of workers, which is a very different thing from free movement of people. So I wondered if there was a hint there of a, of a, of a compromise. Um, soft Brexit, well I think the fact is that soft Brexit is not Brexit. Uh, the European option or membership of the European Economic Area would not in fact be Brexit. Um, the, the main problem it seems to me is not so much what happens in this country as what happens in the rest of the EU. The EU is in a state of flux, which was often overlooked in, in our debate over the referendum when it was assumed by, it seemed to me by most people, certainly by the government, that, that the EU is a very stable entity, which would continue to function more or less as it is now. You could therefore uh, assume that in 10 years' time it would basically be the same as now. But that's not the case. There is a strong possibility of a succession of political, financial and economic crises in Europe, which mean that in a few years the EU is very unlikely to be what it is today. Um, if you're interested, I would recommend what I thought was a very powerful and interesting uh, piece in the TLS a couple of weeks ago by Professor Paul Collier of Oxford, who was reviewing a book by the Nobel Prize-winning economist Joseph Stiglitz. Both, of, both Collier and Stiglitz, in, from different perspectives, are critics of, the, e, of the, the Eurozone and believe it has no future. Um, Collier also ended by saying, which is what I'll end by saying, that the, U the UK is not in fact so divided over the EU as it appears. Uh, as he said, had we been voting to join, we would certainly not have done so. It was because of the fear of the consequences of leaving that the vote was so narrow. Uh, of course, it may turn out that those fears were real, but that's one of the things that uh, are in other hands than ours. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much indeed.